Good evening. Scripture reading is in Psalm 98. We had the kids read, did a great job. Uh, We're going to look at Psalm 98, though, as well, because we're in a series. And I want to read to you the Word of God, the very infallible, unchanging, authoritative Word of God in Psalm 98. Hear the Word of the Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy, holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, with a lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the Lord. The king, the Lord, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. May God add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. This evening together as we celebrate Christmas. We're in a series here. You want to put my slide up? Uh, called Advent in the Psalms. You've been tracking with us. The word Advent comes from the Latin word um, Adventus, meaning arrival or the coming. is the coming of Jesus. And we celebrate on Christmas Eve. The celebration is all about Jesus, the incarnation, God becoming man, taking on humanity. The book of Psalms we know is a book that was the ancient hymnal. It was a book that was written to be sung. That's why we're singing. That's why the, uh, the sermon title today is called Singing. We started in Psalm 25 and we saw how the people of old, the Old Testament, were waiting for the coming Messiah. They were waiting for the promised one. Then we went to Psalm 40 and we, we saw how the Psalms teaches us and reminds us that God is a faithful God. He is infinitely trustworthy and fulfills his promises. Then we went to Psalm 72. We discovered how Jesus, the baby born, will grew up, died, rose again, and he will come and reign and rule. He is the ultimate king and the ultimate ruler. This morning we looked at Psalm 80. and We learned how the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross takes the frown of God because of our sin and turns it into the smile of God. This evening we're in Psalm 98. As we wrap up the series in the Advent, they're online if you're interested in them, and we light the Christ candle tonight. And we'll see that the Advent teaches us that we are commanded to sing. We're a singing people. We're a people, the people of God, who are awaiting and expecting the King, our God, the King, to fulfill His promises and to restore the whole earth. As we look at Psalm 98, if you're with me, if you have a Bible, turn there with me. There's Bibles in the back if you want to follow along. But what I want to do this evening, I'm going to say this morning, this evening is look at Psalm 98, but go backwards through the psalm. We're going to start at the end and end in verse 1. Because we're going to look at the reasons why, at the end, why the people are a singing people. And the first thing I want us to see tonight, here's our outline for those who are following it. We're going to see singing people of God are singing because they are anticipating his judgment. They're singing because... The, the jubilation, the praise, because God is king, and then finally, in celebration of his provision. So that's our outline. Number one. Number one, verses seven and nine. In the Advent season, during this season of Advent, we celebrate 
the coming of Jesus in his first advent, the baby that was born. We celebrate that an angel had visited this young teenage virgin girl named Mary and said that the Holy Spirit will will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be called the Holy Son of God. The long-awaited promise, the long-awaited Messiah, that promise would soon be in the arms of this virgin mother, Mary, and Jesus' stepdad, Joseph. But that same promise continues and teaches us that, the Scripture says to us that God will return, that Jesus will come, and he will fulfill all the promises. He will restore all things, and salvation in which he gives to his people will find its fulfillment when he comes and he judges the world. John 5, 22, Jesus says, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. In Acts chapter 3, Peter is preaching, and, he, and he's calling everyone to repentance, to turn from their sin, and to believe on the Lord Jesus, and that their sins will be blotted out. And he says something very interesting. He says, So that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who's been appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until... The time of restoring all things, which was written about by God through the holy prophets long ago. God, restoration, means renewal, means regeneration. In other words, Jesus is going to come back and not just restore and not just save his people, but there's going to be a regeneration. There's going to be, nature itself is going to be renewed. And Peter is pointing to that, to that time of restoration when the second coming of Christ, well, he will restore and renew. And when he comes back and restores and renews the earth, he's going to judge people. Merry Christmas. No, actually, it, it, it gets better because the psalmist, as we see, hang in there, right? The psalmist is singing about the judgment of God. What makes the psalmist sing about God coming to judge. In fact, verse 8 says the rivers are clapping their hands. The hills are singing for joy. This is not just a metaphor, but a picture of of restored nature, restored reality. Romans, Paul will write that creation waits eagerly, longing to be set free from its bondage. Nature itself is not yet all that God had predestined it to be. And in a sense, it's waiting for its true fulfillment. That's why, that's why if you look at the psalm, the psalmist is saying, let the sea and everything in it roar with praise. Rivers have reason to clap. They have clean water. Mountains will no longer decay. They will stand tall and glorious. The rivers and mountains clap and sing, and the trees will blossom and bear fruit. It's not just that things are mended, but everything in the psalm just explodes in their full capacity, realizing their full potential and why is that? Why is there clapping? Why is this nature understanding its full potential? Look at verse 9, the last verse. For he comes to judge the world. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. All this happens when the true king comes. All this happens when the king comes back. Everything in the psalm is teaching us everything is rejoicing. And that, I believe, is in every human heart. Every human heart longs for that possibility of thinking that everything in this world that is wrong will be made right. If you know the basic storyline of J.R. Tolkien's books and, and movies, Lord of the Rings, it's the return of the true king. In fact, in chapter 10 of The Fellowship of the Ring, we read this poem. From the ashes of fire 
shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. You know what Tolkien has done? Tolkien has done what many have done before him and after him, has tapped into the imagination, the, the inspiration, the idea that is in all of us. So whether you lean left and you think the whole country is going down the tubes, or you lean right, you think the whole country is being brought out of the tubes, no president, no government, no Congress is going to restore equity. No Congress, no president is going to bring truth, sanity, and peace to this world, and we know it. The scripture tells us that we are created in the imago Dei, the image and likeness of God. And Romans 1 says we restrain that truth. We suppress and hold it down. But our hearts rejoice. Our hearts, all of our hearts rejoice that someday no death, no disease, no cancer, no wars, no hatred, no racism, but a world full of joy, of love, of beauty and glory. That's what our souls long for. And our souls know that until that king comes, we'll never reach our full capacity. We know there's something missing deep in our souls. It's only when that king comes, restores and renews that our souls will flourish. But there's a problem. Because when Jesus comes back and he reigns and rules in righteousness and equity... We know that our souls before God, when they are bare, all the motives of our hearts, all the deeds of our hearts, we are exposed and uncovered. We're not safe from judgment. Christmas teaches us that God's people, though, will sing. Will sing, not only because of the first time that he came as an infant child in the manger, but God's people will sing because Jesus will come and he will judge and he will restore and he will make all things new. But why? Well, one of the reasons is verse 4 through 6. He's the king. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the melody of sound of melody. Trumpets, the sound of a horn. Make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. This is an imperative. This is a command. Not just to sing, but sing with passion. The mood is not this, oh, hum, I want this sermon to be over. I can't wait to get my roast in. I'm looking forward to dinner tomorrow. We all are. Maybe you're waiting for the football game. I don't know. This is a command to sing a joyful noise. The NIV, I read from ESV, the NIV says this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Verse 5, sing praise. Just in case you missed it. Verse 6, make a joyful noise before the king. The Lord. All of us get excited about something. All of us at times sit back and see something, do something, or someone and feel this sense of joy. Good experiences result in spontaneous praise. We enjoy good movies. We enjoy good restaurants. We enjoy beauty, maybe a, a vacation. And we're excited to tell people about the reason for our joy. Isn't that true? It was C.S. Lewis who recognized that our praise... Our praise not merely expresses the emotion from the experience, but completes the enjoyment of the experience. We can't wait to tell people. And I was thinking about one of the times that I was so excited, and I thought back in the day, and I was working in a facility before I was a pastor. I, was a, I worked in a correction facility, and, and the Yankees had just swept the Texas Rangers. And I got to work really early 
I'm waiting for all my Texas Rangers friends to come in. I wanted to get in the broom closet. So when they came into the lobby, I was sweeping. I was so excited. If you're a Texas fan, I'm sorry. It completed the joy. When we tell people about the great things that have been done in Christ, when we understand that God has done this incredible salvation, his goodness, we sing. We joyfully sing. You meet someone who has, you know, maybe, maybe you learn of a spouse or a parent or someone who has, who has beat cancer and they've got great news, there's joy. Or someone who's pregnant is having a baby, there's joy. If you don't have joy, something's wrong, right? It's not helpful, it's not really healthy. And God created us for joy and to express the joy of all that he's done with praise. In the Old Testament, in the book of Ezra, they were worshiping so loud in the temple that it said they were heard far, far away. Should the worship of God's people today be any less jubilant? Should should we be quiet when we've come to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords? You see, the psalmist is singing because of the promise. The, The promise of God, the second advent, when he would judge and restore the world. We're gonna sing a song Next, called Joy to the World. Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Now, I I just want to let you know, that's not really a Christmas song, the first advent. Actually, it was written by, I didn't know this. I found out two weeks ago. Isaac Watts wrote this song. He's a pastor theologian, 17th, 18th century. He wrote lots of hymns, I think over 700 of them. He actually wrote Joy to the World through or because of Psalm 98, the second coming of Jesus. And if you think about it, look back at that song, joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Is that what happened when Christ came as a baby? Nope. John 1 says that he came and his own did not receive him. Isaiah says that he was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. The earth did not receive her king, first advent. The third stanza says about sin. It says this, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. That's because of sin, Genesis. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. You only gotta be alive for a day to know there's lots of sin. There's still the curse. There is still brokenness and sorrow in this world, at least at the moment. But when the day that Jesus comes on his second advent and heals the new heavens and the new earth, that heals the new earth, both heaven and earth will sing and repeat the sounding joy for all eternity. Although the fulfillment of Christ's work is not fully expressed this side of heaven, but we know that Christ is exalted He's at the right hand of the Father waiting for that moment that only the the Father knows when Christ will come and all things will be made new. Just like the stanza of Joy to the World at the end. He says, he rules the world. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Nations today, nations today defame the name of God. But there's gonna come a time 
when, when they take a working role in revealing the glory of God. Because all government, all nations in this world, their authority comes from God and is taken from God. Even the bad decisions, the war, and everything that's going on in the world is for his glory and under the sovereign control of God. But when Christ comes back, he will be on this earth. He will reign and rule in righteousness. No one's going to vote. Voting polls are closed. Anticipating of his judgment, singing jubilation of his kingship. But what is the real reason? You find that in the first couple of verses. Why are the people singing with jubilation and passion of the prospect of the coming judgment of God and restoration? Verse 1, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. He has what? Done marvelous things, his right hand, his holy arm, have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He's revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. A new song. Not an old song that's redone. And there's, there's some good, there's some music that needs to be some you know, spruced up. I'm good with that. Dressing up old song is good. But the psalmist here says there's something new, a marvelous work, work of redemption. Old songs just won't do. There's this intervention of God, and it demands new songs, new music, new worship. An outbreak of joy takes on this new form of, of worship of God's people. It's like the lid has been blown off the roof. Sing a new song. Notice three things about the salvation quickly. Number one. Salvation is one, a marvelous work. The reason God's people sing at the coming judgment of God and the restoration is because God has provided a way of escape. His provision is enough. Salvation is the work of God. We offer him our sin. That's all we have. And by his right hand and his holy arm, his mighty power, he has worked salvation for us. You see, when you're convicted, when you know, when you know the reality that God's going to judge the world and you deeply realize that you are helpless and you are hopeless unless God intervenes, and then when you realize he does, there's a new song in your heart. You will sing and praise and worship with great joy. God's intervention will, will fuel the fires of passion. When you know that God is going to judge the whole earth, including you, and me, and we realize that our only hope is God's love, God's grace, and you speak to the, your heart these wonders, these blessings that God has heaped upon you, you will be ready to praise him, worship him, and give the suitable joy and worship that is due him. At Christmas, we recognize that Christ came the first time on, on a seek a rescue mission to seek and save the lost, helpless, and hopeless sinners like you and me. Salvation is marvelous work of God. Look at number two, motivated by love. Look at verse three. He has remembered his steadfast love and the faithfulness of the house of Israel. We, we talk about this here a lot. It's been in the Old Testament a lot. Steadfast is the Old Testament word hesed or hesed. It's God's covenant-keeping loyal love. Steadfast love, God's covenant-keeping loyal love. God does not just simply save us because he planned it, just fulfilling a plan, although that's true. He doesn't just save us because he made a campaign promise and he wants your votes. 
He doesn't just save us for those reasons. He saves us because of his personal commitment, his covenantal love and faithfulness to us that none of us deserve. The psalmist placed the reason for singing as cause of celebration is because of God. We worship who God is, the character of God, the steadfast love of God. There's nothing in us that would warrant his love, but he loves us because of his loyal love. The promise of God is not like a business contract. You do your part, he does his part. We'd all be doomed. The Old Testament is 39 books of the Old Testament. There are 39 books in the Old Testament. And God promised throughout the entire Old Testament that he'll send a son. He will crush the head of Satan. He told Abraham, I will give you a descendant that will bless the whole nation. He told King David, I will send you a descendant who will sit on the royal throne and restore and renew all of earth. That has said, that love is what we celebrate in Christmas. It's motivated by love. It is now finally, it's marvelous work motivated by love and finally public through Christ. Look at verse two with me. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness. He put everything right in the sight of the nations. 3B, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Listen, salvation was not done in a vacuum. Said the salvation of God was made known and made clear and written down in this book and seen by many, many, many eyewitnesses. Paul was in, uh, in chains for the gospel in Acts 26 and, he, and he's preaching the gospel and he stands before King of Agrippa to give an account and, and the, uh, the governor of Judea and he says something very interesting. He says, you king, you know about these things that I'm speaking to you, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He said, for I am persuaded that none of, the thing, none of these things have escaped your notice. For this, the salvation, has not been done in a corner. He's saying, King, you know, you know the eyewitnesses, you know the tomb is empty, you know the eyewitnesses, you know what the guards are saying, what's going on in Jerusalem, you know, I didn't want to believe it either until I saw the resurrected Christ, until I realized that the tomb was empty, and now, what can I say? But praise the Lord, the tomb is empty. This salvation, this victory that God has given us by his right hand and his holy arm, is most importantly, and you need to hear tonight as we close, the most important victory in singing of a new song, this joy of singing this new song, is first and foremost a victory over sin. You see, the problem you and I have is sin. It's not self-esteem. It's not accomplishments. Sin separates and destroys. It separates us from God, who is the source of all good. And unless our sin debt is paid, unless we are forgiven, in the end, we'll be separated from God in a final place which God calls hell. And if you're here this morning, if you think you can earn your God's love, if you think you can earn the gift of salvation, if you think, you know, I'm just going to be a nice person, I'm going to start going to church more, I'm going to start giving money, I'm going to start doing this and start doing that, I'm lovingly telling you there is nothing you can give to God. There is nothing you can earn, there's nothing you can do to earn your way into salvation. When Christ comes back, his, his level, what he will judge, is perfect. None of us are perfect. If you're not sure, ask the person next to you. They'll tell you. <laughs> the only hope we have is to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Religion is I work, 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 do, 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 do. God will then love me and accept me. That's religion. The gospel is Christ has worked for me, died for me, rose for me, and I believe on him and therefore I will follow him. There's a big difference. Religion is I work based 
of salvation, the gospel is God's already done the work for me. And now I will repent and believe on him. Big difference between the two. And when the people of God sing, they could sing because now here, I just want to wrap it up right now and say this. The people of God can sing when Jesus comes back and judges the world and restores all things because the judgment that we deserve fell on Jesus. The judgment is past. It's over. It's been done. Now the people of God say, come, restore, renew, judge the world because the judgment we deserve is on Jesus. He took our judgment on Calvary. And then what does that do? That just explodes in jubilee, in singing, in joy, and, and, and just the prospect of God coming. My judgment is upon him. The whole earth will be renewed. We'll have no more war, no more disease. Christ will reign and rule. Our hearts will sing. That's why the psalmist is singing. That's why the psalmist is singing. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then all you have to look forward to on day of judgment is beauty, glory, love, and a new song. As the band comes up, I want to tell you this story. There was a young girl, she was 14 years old. She got a a gift one December. It was in 2007, it was 10 years ago. Her name was Laura Montero. She's a 14-year-old girl, and she's on a cruise ship with a family off the Baja coast. And while she was on the ship, hundreds and hundreds of miles from the coast, her appendix bursted. The ship was hundreds and hundreds of miles from hell. And the crew sent out this distress call for the nearest surgical unit. They needed help. Desperately, the girl was going to die. There was no way they were going to rescue her. The call went out, and the carrier, the USS Ronald Reagan, was in the midst of a training exercise with 6,000 people on board. They were 500 miles away. They heard the distress call. They turned the ship around and took off 250 miles until they got to a place where a helicopter can go. The helicopter took off, went on that cruise ship, airlifted her to the, back to the, to the Ronald Reagan, and they performed a life-saving surgery. And the girl lived. The cost of that surgery, that ordeal, $2.5 million a day. Imagine getting that bill. (laughs) The girl was given life for free. No charge. The military thought her life was worth it. How much more did God give for us the gift of Jesus Christ? Because he loves you. He gave his son for you. Christmas is all about the first coming. Yes, the baby, the incarnation, God taking on humanity. But I want to ask you this. Will you be singing for joy when the judgment comes because you've trusted Christ who is your judgment? That's the question. Don't leave here today unless you put your hope in Jesus Christ. Put your hope in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we are a singing people, that you give us reasons to sing Help us to sing. Help us to yield our life to you. Help us to trust you, Lord Jesus, for the work you've done, dying in our place, rising from the dead, that we may hear the call, come and follow me. We worship you this Christmas. Father, help us to worship you even greater in spirit and truth, we pray. Let us respond in faith today as we continue to sing.